Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC, with today's episode. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. It's week five. Oh my gosh, so great. Uh, today I'm talking to Lee Shay McDonough of Caravel Coaching. We're talking about women entrepreneurs and anxiety. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Hi, Lee. Thank you so much for joining me on the Woman Warriors podcast today. I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Ah, so this is Lee Shay McDonough. She's a licensed clinical social worker and a certified professional coach uh, working in New Bern, North Carolina, right? That's right. Well, how about if you share a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to do the work that you do? Terrific. So yes, I am a licensed clinical social worker. I graduated from UNC Chapel Hill with um, a dual master's program, so social work and public health. So uh, I'm a Tar Heel, go Tar Heels. <laughs> and, um, but my husband was in the Air Force, and so we only recently came back to North Carolina after he finished his time in service. So we've lived all over the country. We spent four years living in Germany, and it was there in Germany that we made the decision for him to separate from the Air Force, and then we returned back to North Carolina. And it was actually that transition that inspired me to do the work that I'm doing now. Um, I had you know, one of the great things about being a social worker is that it's a fairly portable career. And so while I was following my husband around, because, you know, you go where the Air Force sends you, um, it allowed me to try out all sorts of different roles. So I did inpatient psychiatric work, outpatient psych work. I worked in a NICU for a few years. I worked with veterans. I worked with active duty members and their families and doing couples counseling and domestic violence work. I mean, I really was able to see and do a lot in my career. And yes, it was, you know, but when it came time for us to move back to North Carolina and settle down, um, I realized I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to be when I grew up. (laughs) (laughs) And I also knew that we as a family had a huge transition in front of us. So we were going from not just military to civilian life, but we had just spent four years in Europe. And my kids at the time we moved back were eight and six. So they had essentially grown up in Europe. And so I knew that we were going to have some culture shock to deal with. And so I made the decision to take some time off and help my family navigate through the challenges that um, I suspected that we were going to face. And we did face them. So um, I'm glad I did that. My husband got out of the Air Force to purchase um, a dental practice. He's a a dentist, a a periodontist, actually. Okay. And so I was watching him, this really gifted clinician. I mean, he's really great at what he does. But no one had ever really told him how to run a business. That's not something you learned in dental school. It's certainly not something he learned as a dentist in the Air Force. And so I'm watching him provide really great patient care, 
but feeling exhausted and overwhelmed and burned out when it came to managing the business side of his practice. I can totally relate to that. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I, I think a lot of us can, regardless of what our specialty is, you know, trying to um, be an owner and an operator in your own business is really challenging. And as I was observing some of the struggles he was experiencing and the toll that it was taking on his emotional health, I realized, okay, this is something I actually know about. I can take my experience as a therapist and particularly as a therapist who's been trained in mindfulness-based therapies. And I can take some of those skills and tools and apply them to this small business and entrepreneurial space. And so that's when kind of I had this light bulb idea of, you know what, maybe right now, I'm not being called to go into mental health. Maybe right now I'm being called to help other small business owners who are struggling with overwhelm and anxiety and help them kind of regain their footing so that they can actually love the work they do and love being a business owner. And so that's that's where I landed. I um, went to a coach training program, got certified, and that's what I do now. I help entrepreneurs and small business owners really figure out who they are in their business and ensure that the decisions that they're making and the work they're doing is is in line is in line with who they are and what they want for their lives. Yeah, I was looking over your website before the interview. And I think one of the things that struck me was you saying, you know, um, doing the work just to do the work, but not feeling like it, your true self is really showing up in that work, I think, yes. like that, that to, you know, really spoke to me. So if you wouldn't mind talking about that a little bit. I feel like that seems really important. No, I would love to. I find that a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs go into that field because they value freedom and independence and they want to kind of blaze their own trail. And once they get into the daily grind of owning a business, they kind of lose touch with that initial passion because it just becomes about doing payroll and getting the bills paid and all of the nitty gritty of owning a business. And so then all of a sudden it becomes another job mm -hmm. and they start wondering, why am I even doing this? I, you know, I could be bringing in probably more money right now working for someone else and not having all the headaches and the pressures that comes with small business ownership. And that's always my first signal that they have grown distant from that passion and those values that brought them into small business ownership to begin with, that the anxiety and overwhelm that comes with uh, being a business owner has really disconnected them from, from themselves, from, from who they are and what they want most in their lives. And so that's where we start. We start with kind of recalibrating and being really clear on, well, what is important to you? What do you want your life to be about? And how can your business be an example of that? How can we translate your core beliefs into the actions that you're taking in your business? And so the work that we do is one part, kind of that inner work and really talking about mindset and exploring what it means to feel out of balance and out of whack. But then we're also moving that into, okay, well, how do we operationalize this? How do we actually take concerted steps in your business to make sure that we're not just diving into insight for insight's sake, we're going to translate this into success in your business. And so that's a lot of, of what I do as, as a business coach who is, has that background in, in mindset and mindfulness. 
And so do you work with men and women? I know, you know, we're going to go on and talk about women in particular as being female entrepreneurs and how that contributes. But do you work with both men and women? What's your what's your specialty? I, I do, although I find that I have more female clients than male clients. And there is something about working with female entrepreneurs that I just love. Um, because I think and, and I know we'll talk about this in a bit, but women, we do carry a lot of anxiety and overwhelm just by nature of, of who we are. Um, and it's fascinating to see how that emerges within the small business world. And so I really have a, a passion for working with female entrepreneurs who want to kind of claim their space in the world uh, and do so through their business, but oftentimes feel kind of hamstrung by the anxiety that comes up, the self-doubt, the fears, all of that, and, and how that plays into the success or lack of success that they're having in their business. What is it that is, you know, I guess, driving more of the anxiety piece for the women? You know, you said, you know, not having this, I don't know what the right word is, but really feeling maybe confident in themselves to, is that part of it? I think it's part of it. I, I think even more than that, though, is this sense that they have to do it all themselves and they have to do it all right now. And I think, you know, and it's it's interesting. I was just reading an article. There was a, um, a, a report just released. It was the 2017 Modern Family Index. And it really talked about this concept of mental load and how, in general, women who are working outside the home, not only do they have those responsibilities, but they also feel uh, more of a sense of responsibility or ownership over decisions made in the home. And so what's fascinating to me is that women who are the primary breadwinners in their households actually feel more responsibility uh, to do things like who does the laundry, who handles scheduling of, of medical appointments and kids' sporting practices and so forth. And so the more successful a woman becomes in business, the more responsibility she's also expected to take on at home. Mm-hmm. And I think what that does is it really sets us up to feel completely overwhelmed and like we're always running behind. And I think what I hear most from my clients uh, who are female is just this idea of I am just so out of balance. If only I could find some work-life balance. That tends to be the phrase that comes up a lot. And that makes sense because they probably do feel out of balance. They they have their first shift as um, their small business owner self. Mm -hmm. Second shift is when they get home from work. And if they have kids, then they're helping with homework and making lunches um, and and taking care of the household and all of that. And then they have the third responsibility of trying to plan and get everything set so that tomorrow will run smoothly as well. And that is a lot of work. And I think what we're seeing more and more is that men are stepping up. They, They do want to do some of that work. But whether it's societal reasons or so forth, a lot of that burden still kind of defaults to women. And I think that's why we're seeing higher rates of anxiety and overwhelm in women and particularly in women, uh, female small business owners as well. So to get that work-life balance, to find more, a more comfortable, less stressful way of doing that, how do you, you know, what is it that goes into that for your work and with the women that you work with? Well, first and foremost, we talk a lot about perfectionism and how a lot of that is rooted in this idea that if I do it all perfectly, then I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Then I then I will be enough. 
And or, so or two, then I can relax. <laughs> yes, exactly. Then I can, then I can have my break. Yeah. Um, and so part of it, I think is dealing with that idea of perfectionism head on and exploring, well, what, what would it look like to maybe not do it perfectly? What would it look like if, if maybe, you know, the laundry wasn't perfectly folded or every bed wasn't made? Um, what would it look like if you went live with your website before every I was dotted and T was crossed, knowing that you can go back and revise and build on it later? Um, and the minute we start talking about perfectionism, that's where a lot of those kind of inner demons come up. It's this idea of, you know what, if, if you're not going to do it perfectly, then why bother? You know, and, and we start doubting ourselves and wondering, well, do I really have what it takes to do this? Um, that can lead us to feel kind of paralyzed. It can lead us to feel overwhelmed. So first and foremost, it's really confronting this demon of perfectionism head on and acknowledging how it limits us. And then this is for me where mindfulness comes in. So I, as a therapist, was trained in something called acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a mindfulness oriented approach. And so the idea of being aware of our thoughts, of the thoughts we're telling ourselves, and recognizing that just because we have a thought doesn't make it true, and that we get to choose how much we buy into it, whether we buy into it at all. And paying attention to how that thought is affecting us emotionally, how it's affecting us physically, and then just kind of creating space for the thought and allowing it to move on. And then returning to what matters most to us, what do we want our lives to to be about. And so that's why I believe so strongly in incorporating a mindfulness approach into all of my work. Yeah, I find it can be so incredibly powerful, as you said, to sort of tune into, yeah, what is it that you're telling yourself? And what are you believing about this story um, that you've taken to be your own? I can totally relate to your saying, you know, that the perfectionism can stop you from even moving forward in a direction that you think you want to go, because if it's not perfect, how could you possibly show it to the world? And it's not complete, which I went through a lot of that with just trying to get this podcast off the ground. It's like if everything wasn't exactly, you know, I didn't follow the rules and have it all exactly in place, then... I shouldn't even try like that was where I went with it. And, and that's, Ooh, that's, you know, that, that, that's really hard. And it is really hard. Yes. And I think I'm so glad that there are podcasts like yours out there where we can talk about this because I think that's the other thing is sometimes we think we're the only ones who are experiencing this. We're the only ones who worry about imposter syndrome and, oh, I'm going to be found out. And, you know, if they, if they see the mistake on my website, then they're going to know that I don't really know what I'm doing. And we can really beat ourselves up about this. So having the ability to create community, um, whether through a podcast or Facebook or so forth, where you realize, oh, I'm not alone in this. That is hugely comforting. And so we're able to do the inner work of noticing our thoughts and responding compassionately and choosing whether or not to buy into it. But then when we go public with our stories, when, when we talk about the struggle, then we can we can take those those inner fears, shine a light on them, and then say, no, we're in this together. 
And I, I think the strength that comes from building that level of connection and community is so powerful. And I think that that's something that um, I'm starting to see more and more in the female entrepreneur world of, of women reaching out and helping other women and saying, no, 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 this is not just your struggle. We are all in this together. Mm, I love that. I love that because you know, I know that women that women and men both struggle with perfectionism, but I think this sense that to even at least for me, but and women clients that I work with that like to show myself to the world, to put something out there that's mine, if it isn't perfect, then it's not worth doing or yeah, I'll be discovered and then to be able to come together as a community and talk about that that like put it out there. And I think maybe men are more willing to do that. Like, you know, it'll, it'll be okay. I'll get to it. I'll fix it. Mm -hmm. Yes. um, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. So mindfulness really has been, it sounds like it is a, is a core piece of what you do. And Mm -hmm. so how, you know, how, what are, what are some effective strategies that you use with clients to help them really tune into their thoughts, their feelings, their, uh, you know, what's happening in their body, all of that. So a lot of times people hear mindfulness and they automatically equate it with meditation. Mm-hmm. And I do want to point out that I love, I mean, meditation is a fantastic practice. It is one that I recommend for some clients, not all. Yeah. Um, but I want to, but because clients come in with that understanding, a lot of times first it's, it's simply defining what mindfulness is. It, it can include meditation, but it certainly doesn't have to, you know, mindfulness is merely the act of, of acknowledging the present moment with intention and purpose. And so all that means is, is kind of bringing yourself into the present moment and noticing very carefully what thoughts you're having or what emotions are coming up, what feelings you might be experiencing. And yes, you can do that through meditation. You can also do that simply by uh, the next time you pick up your cup of coffee and you take a sip, really paying attention to the act of drinking that coffee. What is the what does it feel like as as you sip it and as the warm liquid goes down the back of your throat and and what emotions come up for you as you're sipping that coffee? And so it's it's really about slowing things down and staying rooted in the present moment. Once we're able to do that then we can kind of apply some of that to our thought process. And one technique that I use with my clients is the next time that you have a thought, I want you to notice it. And in front of that thought put, oh, I'm having the thought that. Hmm. And so that way, if they have the, if, if they realize that, you know, their, their inner troll is screaming at them, you know, you're no good, you know, or don't publish that blog post because it's trash. Then you can just say, oh, look, I'm having the thought that I shouldn't publish the blog post because it's trash. Just by prefacing that statement with, I'm having the thought that, you create some distance, some space, and you recognize, oh, just because I'm having the thought doesn't mean it's me and doesn't mean I necessarily have to buy into it. So that first step is just figuring out what strategy is going to work best for you to create some some separation some distance between your thought and yourself i love that and and just really externalizing that okay it's a thought but i don't have to believe it and i don't have to take it to be true 
Exactly. And sometimes my clients will say, yeah, but it just, but it doesn't feel good. Like I still feel so stressed. And then it's like, well, yes, you know, it, it probably doesn't feel good. And a lot of times when we experience something we don't want, our inclination is to push it away, yeah. is to try to avoid it, is to try to stop it. And so it can seem kind of counterintuitive to say, instead of trying to push it away or avoid it, Take a breath and engage with it. Create space for it. Just acknowledge that I'm feeling overwhelmed in this moment or I'm feeling sad or even better. Oh, look, I'm having the feeling of sadness. I'm having the feeling of overwhelm. When we phrase it like that, we can acknowledge the feeling without necessarily owning it and defining ourselves only by the way we feel. And so, again, it's just about slowing things down, being very intentional and recognizing what's coming up for us in the present moment and creating space for it. Absolutely. And finding that curiosity around, even if it is something difficult, like, wow, I feel really uncomfortable right now. You know, let me kind of look at that. What's going on for me? I love how you're bringing mindfulness into that coaching piece. And um, it feels like it would be super effective in terms of helping bring your clients some awareness around what's happening for them in the moment. And I will be honest too. Um, part of the reason I believe so strongly in mindfulness is because it has transformed my own life. I've had my own struggles with depression and anxiety in the past. And it really wasn't until I understood how my mind worked and why those thoughts were coming up for me that then I was able to recognize it and decide how I wanted to move forward from there. So I'm certainly a therapist and a coach who practices what she preaches. And um, again, I understand that maybe this isn't right for everyone, but for those for whom it works, it can just be so transformative. It's just a, a completely different way of viewing and experiencing the world. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm also a person who practices mindfulness regularly and I do meditate as well. So um Yes, it has changed my relationship with anxiety in a in a, in a way it, that's hard to even uh, quantify. But it's, it's yeah. truly it's been just life changing. So yes, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate. Yeah, uh, you know, I think it's helpful too for you know even as coaches and therapists, professionals in the field we're not immune to these feelings either. Like we're human and going, you know, going through stuff as well. Absolutely. And that's, again, it gets back to that idea of uh, sharing our struggle, being willing to be vulnerable and a little transparent and say, yeah, you know, don't put me on a pedestal because I've experienced this too. But I also know what's worked for me. And so let's see if maybe that might work for you too. And so you're acknowledging kind of, you know, where you're at, where your client's at, and walking that road together. If you had one tip, which I know you already gave us one tip, was to say, take that thought and, you know, I am thinking. But if there was something you felt like it was important for women to help them in their journey with stress and anxiety, what what tip might that be? Yeah. So I want to share a tip that's rooted in acceptance and commitment therapy and ACT. Mm -hmm. Um 
So a lot of times when I'm talking about overwhelm and anxiety with my female entrepreneur clients, I talk about anxiety as basically being like a safety monitor gone haywire. You know, our our mind is just churning out all of these stories and all of these what ifs and all of these be careful, you know, and, and so we are inundated with all of these worst case scenarios and that can be extremely anxiety provoking. And so what I try to remind myself is that my mind thinks it's helping me right now. It thinks that if it produces all of these horrific stories and images and what if scenarios, that I can prepare for it in advance. So if and when it happens, I'm going to be ready. And so my mind thinks it's helping me. And so it helps me to think about anxiety as just being kind of like a safety monitor who is just working overtime. You know, her volume is on 11. And so how can I turn that volume down to maybe two or three? And one strategy that I really love from ACT is called thanking your mind. And that's when you catch yourself having those thoughts, those distressing thoughts, uh, you know, forecasting horrible events that could happen in the future, you pause, you take a breath, and you say, ah, thanks, mind. I see what you're doing here. You're trying to prepare me for the future. Thank you for doing that. That's not helping me right now, so I'm going to release you from that role, and I'm going to get back to what I'm doing right now in the moment. And Oh, God, it's so powerful. It completely changes the way you relate to your mind and the way you view anxiety um, because you see it not as your mind working against you, but as your mind really thinking it's helping you. It, it's not. It, it, you know, it, it doesn't really care whether you're happy or satisfied. It just wants you to be safe. And so it's churning all this stuff out to try to keep you safe. So thank it. Thank it for trying to do its job and then release it from that responsibility so that you can get back to living your life. Yeah. So instead of approaching it like, just shut up, be quiet, mind, you're saying, oh, you're there. I hear you. But uh, let me move on to this next thing. Thank you so much for that little notice, but I- I'm good. I'm exactly, exactly. Thanks for doing your job. Not something I need right now. Um, I'm going to get back to, to what really matters to me now. It's interesting. It reminds me a lot of, which, you know, we don't have to go into right now, but parts work where you're recognizing these parts of you that are trying to help, but maybe not doing such a great job right here in that moment. So exactly. Very cool. So if there were some, uh, are there some resources that you feel like would be important for your coaching clients or other women entrepreneurs who struggle with stress and anxiety that might be helpful to them? Yes. So one of my very favorite books of all time is called The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris. Um, So Russ Harris is also an uh, ACT-oriented therapist. And The Happiness Trap is just one of his most easily accessible books. He's just such a great writer. And sometimes, you know, you get in the world of theory and there can be a lot of jargon and a lot of just, you know, big words for the sake of using big words. And that is not what Russ Harris does. He really brings things down and and makes complicated concepts very easy to access. And so I recommend The Happiness Trap for just about anyone who is dealing with anxiety or depression or simply just kind of feeling overwhelmed or out of balance. I think that's a really good place to start. Awesome. Awesome. I will provide a link to that in the show notes. That sounds like a great book to read. I have not read it. Um, 
and so for you, do you have any upcoming projects or things that you would like to highlight or, or even just ways to get in touch with you if people were in your area and wanted to get some coaching? Absolutely. Well, First and foremost, um, please check out my website. It's uh, caravelcoaching.com, and Caravel is C-A-R-A-V-E-L. So you can find me over there, and I also have a blog, so I will write and, and post things over there. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Caravel Coaching and Instagram at the same handle. Um, one thing I'm working on this year, and it feels very big and bold and a little scary to go public with it, but I'm actually working on my first book. Wow. And Yes, and it's all about how the uh, core principles of acceptance and commitment therapy can be applied in the small business and entrepreneurial space. So I'm taking some of the concepts that we've used in psychology with our clients and talking about how we can use them to build stronger businesses and create entrepreneurs who are living lives that they love because it's in, in alignment with their values and what they want most for the world. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. It's it's fun to write. Um, man, you want to talk about some of those inner demons coming up though. They definitely come up when you're writing a book. So I've had plenty of opportunity to put some of my mindfulness skills into practice. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can, as I said, I totally relate. It's like, yeah, anytime that, yeah, moving beyond our nice comfy boundaries, putting ourselves out there in the world to be judged can be very triggering. <laughs> it can, it can. And so here's a little reframe. What I have found personally is that when my inner trolls, when my inner demons start getting louder and louder, it's usually because I am on the verge of doing something big and bold and really in alignment with who I am and what I want for my life. It's like their last ditch effort to keep me quiet and small and safe, um, which I appreciate, right? They're just looking out for me. Yeah. But again, um, if what I want is to share what I believe with the world and serve others powerfully, then I can only do that by using my voice. And so that's really been very helpful to remember that those inner demons, those inner trolls that are trying to keep me down, again, they think they're helping me. Um, and so I can kind of relieve them from that duty and go on to do my big, bold work to, to serve the world. Well, and also like reframing it like that to, to be like, well, yes, they're so afraid that I'm, I'm putting myself out there to the world. But so maybe this is what I need to be doing. Yes. Like, you know, like, yes. Oh, this is kind of a good thing. They're really a little worried about me. But you know what, I'm putting myself in a place that's, that's important to me and putting me in. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So then all of a sudden, when the that negative thought comes up, we don't necessarily have to see it as something distressing, we can say, Oh, look, I must be on the right track, because right. there they go again. <laughs> right. I must be doing something right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Lee, we will have to have you back when your book is out there in the world so we can talk ah, about that. I would love that. I would love that. Definitely. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This was really a very fun discussion. And um, I really enjoyed learning about you and your business. Thank you so much for having me. I've just had a blast. It's been great talking to you. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, take care and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lee. I think um, what I came away from with this conversation was how often perfectionism can sneak into daily life, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. 
for women, perfectionism can keep them from moving forward, stepping outside their comfort zone, or even trying something new for fear of not being perfect, not getting it right. Um, I really enjoyed her take on how to manage that and how to move forward. That's it for this week. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on the Woman Warriors podcast, the show notes, the resources that were discussed, or links to the profiles of the people who were interviewed, you can find them at www.womanwarriors.com.